Amen. Thank you, men. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I have enjoyed that song. I remember listening to that song. I forget who sang it. I think it was a men's quartet out of Hiles Anderson College. I had a cassette tape. Some of you remember what cassette tapes are. And uh, back when I first got right with the Lord, I had that cassette tape. And boy, I just literally listened to that song over and over and over again. And you uh, men did a great job on it. Appreciate that song. Well, um, I was worried about preaching today uh, because of an injury. Uh, not to my shoulder, but, um, you know, we, my wife and I, we celebrated Valentine's Day. And no, she didn't hurt me. But... Um, we uh, went and spent some time in Asheville, and we ate a fairly early supper. Well, we got home uh, late on uh, Friday evening, and we were still we were a little bit hungry, and so she had uh, warmed up some leftover like chili cheese nachos, and so she warmed those up, and I sat down in my recliner, and I got a chip, and I dipped it into that, and put that in my mouth, not realizing that the cheese was napalm. And it stuck to the roof of my mouth instantly. Oh my goodness. It was like napalm. <laughs> and so, uh, anyhow, um, I, I peeled a layer of skin off of the roof of my mouth. And I thought, wow, and all day yesterday, it's like, you know how you're, you're, when it's tender and kind of raw, my tongue would hit that. And I thought, I'm going to be preaching kind of funny today. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles. But, you know, praise the Lord, it healed pretty quickly, and um, so here we are. Psalm 23, if you would please, uh, turn in your Bible, Psalm 23. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture, arguably uh, perhaps as popular and well-known as John 3.16, the 23rd Psalm. And uh, I'm sure that if I asked you to raise your hand, that many of you would raise your hand testifying that this has been a very important passage of Scripture in your life, a passage of Scripture that God has used to provide you comfort and strength in those dark times and in those uh, those troubled times that we all go through. And brothers and sisters, we all go through some tough times. Um, sometimes we're going into a tough time, sometimes we're in the middle of one, sometimes we're coming out, but uh, bottom line is we all go through some tough times from time to time. Psalm 23, verse number 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. And we'll stop right there because I want to preach to you on that phrase, The Lord is my shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for being our shepherd. I pray now that you take this uh, time that we have together We've opened up your word. We've heard what you have to say. And I pray, Father, that as we minister the word of God to this congregation, we pray, Father, that we would hear from the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the good singing already today, the congregational songs, the children's song, uh, the men's song. God, you've spoke to our heart. And I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit still touches hearts. I thank you, Lord, for drawing us closer to you. Uh, it's already been good to be in your house, but Lord, we pray now that this time under the Word of God would make a difference in lives. We pray that if there be anyone here today that is not saved, 
perhaps someone that's been struggling with salvation, we ask you uh, in Jesus' name to speak to that heart and bring them to a saving knowledge of you. We pray for a spirit of liberty in this service. We pray that our hearts and our minds would be attentive and focused upon you. Just clear our mind from all of the clutter and distractions, and may we truly worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I've preached about the shepherd, the good shepherd, thoughts on the good shepherd, words about the good shepherd. I've preached a handful of messages on the good shepherd over the years. The term shepherd it appears literally, you know, around a hundred times in the Bible. Sometimes God's talking about shepherding and you don't find the word shepherd in the text. So I don't have an exact count for you today, but uh, I do know that the concept of shepherding appears uh, at least around a hundred times in Scripture. I know personally speaking, sheep have always intrigued me. I grew up in Idaho in farm country and uh, when I lived in the foothills, and I worked for a dairy farmer who also had beef cattle, and so we were always out there among the cattle. And every year, in just before the winter time, when the last cutting of hay, if we had a good year, we would get four cuttings of hay, literally in Idaho. We irrigated the fields, and so um, sometimes the the warmth and the growing season would allow for a fourth cutting. Now, the fourth cutting was not something that the dairy cows would ever eat. They turned their nose up at second cutting hay. But I will say this, the beef cows loved it. And so sometimes after that last cutting of hay was done, the Basco sheep herders would bring their sheep down from the hills and they would graze in the fields and just pick up and, and graze on whatever was left over after the harvest. Some of you perhaps don't even know what I mean by a Basco sheep herder. I grew up with that concept. There was a, a large Basque community in Idaho. Many of them came to be farmers. Uh, many of them were dairy farmers, but most of them were known for being sheep herders. Uh, sometimes we'd be up in the foothills working with cows, and we'd see a herd of sheep. And uh, I, one one uh, particular incident really stands out in my mind that. If, if you, if some people would say, how do you know if it's a Basque sheep herder? Well, when I was growing up, you could always recognize them. They would have a trailer parked near where the sheep were, and it was their, it was their RV, so to speak. And basically what it was, it was the bed of a 1930 some Dodge pickup, and a couple of sheets of plywood, and they had made their RV, and they would live in that, and they would live among the sheep. And so sheep have always intrigued me. I, there's, as a pastor, I guess, I like to watch sheep. I particularly, have you ever seen anything cuter than a baby lamb? I mean, I don't think, I mean, a brand new white baby lamb, they are just precious to look at. There's something about them that just draws my heart to them. I, I like puppies, not so much kittens, but but even at that, baby lambs are just, there's something that is precious about them. Maybe it's because God's given me a pastor's heart. How many of you feel that way about baby lambs? All right. So it's not just a pastoral thing. There's something that's just precious about them. Uh, some people think that sheep are dumb. 
The reality of it is, is they are very intelligent animals, but they're, they're so quirky that they appear to be dumb. I find it interesting that God likens his people to sheep. <laughs> Although some sheep actually are dumb. <laughs> I remember I had a I had a friend in high school that they had a bunch of sheep. They had a little pasture behind their house, and they had a ram. The I mean the leader of that flock who and the ram's name was Hercules. Now I have crossed many a pasture quickly for fear that the bull in the passenger pasture would get me. But I have never I never wanted to go into my friend's pasture with um, with Hercules in there. He would quickly put a hurting on you. And I mean, he they, they recognize. Sometimes you can get halfway across a pasture and the bull doesn't even know you're there. Hercules knew the moment that you touched the fence. And so they could be very, very possessive and they could, uh, I guess that, that ram sheep could be a little bit like a goat. But uh, very protective, very quirky, but certainly not dumb animals. But they are animals that have to be cared for. You know, there are a lot of animals in the wild that take care of themselves. Sheep, domestic sheep particularly, have to have a shepherd to take care of them. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is my shepherd. And I have no problem saying that I need the Lord to take care of me. And I have no problem telling you the actual truth and fact that you need the Lord to take care of you as well. And so I want to take just a few minutes here this morning, a very simple message, and just focus on that one central concept, that one theme, the Lord is my shepherd. First of all, in that statement, I believe that it's a personal statement. The psalmist repeatedly in Psalm 23 speaks from the first person. I won't take the time to read the entire chapter, but you know, you, you, you find the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and so on. This was a very personal thing that the psalmist writes about. The relationship of the Lord and His people being like the relationship of a shepherd and his sheep was a very personal thing to David. David grew up as a shepherd. In Psalm 79, verse 13, So we, thy people and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Now, the Middle Eastern shepherd was not like the Western shepherd. You know, I saw Basque sheep herders, but the Middle Eastern shepherd did not herd the sheep, but he certainly shepherded the sheep. Back in Bible days, there would be numerous flocks that would all come together in town. And of course, you had to have a place for those flock, for those flocks to stay while the shepherd is getting supplies and taking care of business. And so most towns would have a sheepfold, a place where the, the sheep could all be contained, kind of like a corral, so to speak. 
but all the different shepherds would come in and there would be more than just one flock in that sheepfold. And after the shepherd would get done with his business in town, he would come out to the sheepfold and he would have to get his flock and separate them from all of the other flocks. Now, it's interesting. I know that you've probably seen sheepdogs working and nipping at the heels of those sheep. And that is that is very interesting as well. I've always enjoyed watching dogs work cattle and work sheep and so forth. Just amazing the instinct and the training of those dogs. But the Middle Eastern shepherd did not herd the sheep. He didn't have a dog to bite at the heels of those sheep. He, he, he did it very simply. He would get at the door of the sheepfold, the gate, if you will, and he would speak. He would call out to his flock, and his flock would separate themselves from all of the other flock, and they would come to the shepherd. And of course, the shepherd would watch them coming out of the door, and the shepherd would recognize his sheep. And so this was a Middle Eastern concept. David certainly knew and understood the value of the relationship between shepherd and sheep. And when David said about God, the Lord is my shepherd, don't think for a minute that it wasn't very personal to David. I read in John chapter number 10 and verse number 3, to him the porter openeth, the porter who's watching over that sheepfold, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep, watch this, by name, and leadeth them out. Hey, Christian, guess what? When you got saved, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, and God knows you by name. Isn't that an awesome truth? To know that God knows me by my name. I remember the first time in my life, that I heard the Lord speak my name. It wasn't a pleasant voice at that time. I was living a sinful, wicked, selfish life. But I remember in my heart, I didn't hear it audibly. I didn't hear it in my ears. But in my heart, I heard something say, Randy. And I can remember him, God saying, Randy, you need to get right or... And then he just left me hanging. And I'm telling you what, the fear of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit began to work on my heart and life from that moment on. I wish that I would have responded to the voice of God right then and there. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. But it was over a year later that I finally responded to that voice as that shepherd continued to say, Randy, Randy, Randy. Now I'm glad that I can still hear the shepherd call my name, but now it's not always, not always him trying to correct me and get me back out of the devil's path, but sometimes it's just that, that still small voice of comfort when I'm hurting, when I'm afraid, when I'm struggling just to hear that sweet voice of my shepherd speaking peace to my heart. And knowing me, knowing that He knows me by my name. Sometimes I don't understand myself. Do you understand yourself at all times? But our shepherd understands us better than we understand ourselves. 
my shepherd. It's a very personal statement. Secondly, it's a possessive statement. When the, when the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying that the Lord belongs to me and I belong to him. It's a very possessive relationship. I'd like to say to you this morning that everyone, and I mean everyone, is following someone. Everyone. You are following someone. I don't care how independent that you think you are. Your mind has been influenced. There are some people that aren't necessarily following a man, but they might be following the crowd. They might be following uh, the fads of the day. Uh, I mean, there are things that the world out there says that we need to do and how we ought to dress and how we ought to act and where we ought to go. And the world's out there saying, do this, do this. And even though you can't necessarily point to a person that you are following, if you're following the world, I know a lot of people that think they're independent, but when the world says jump, they say how high. Everyone is following someone. No, I'm just following myself. I'm just following my heart. (laughs) Yeah. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart. Don't ever follow your heart. That's foolish. Don't ever follow your heart. Your heart can deceive you. And you know, Hollywood is out there telling you to follow your heart and follow your dreams. Listen, those dreams more often than not turn into nightmares. Oh, I'm living my life according to the American dream. Really? How often do we hear about somebody that we see having the American dream? Maybe they're a celebrity or an athlete and we find out that their life was filled with nothing but heartache and tragedy. You see, we just get the marketing of the world. We don't get the substance of the world. And what's behind the marketing? Listen, they'll show you, they'll show you commercials of people drinking beer and liquor and boy, they're partying and they're drinking responsibly. Oh, come on. What a joke. Is that the biggest joke that the devil's ever played on people? Drinking responsibly? We want you to drink responsibly. Here, this, this product, by the way, as soon as you take one sip, it begins to lower your inhibition, your ability to judge, to have self-control, and to say no to another. It's, it's crazy nonsense, but they market it, and people are suckers, and they just get swept into it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense, but... They're just being suckered into the commercial of the world, being had by a salesman. Nobody likes to be conned. Amen? Hey, American public are being conned every time they turn on the television. It's a true story. Everyone is following someone. Parents, friends, fads, peers, celebrities, you name it. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse number 6. God says, my people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. I'm not going to get on a soapbox this morning, but i got to remind you, 
that the churches and pastors of mainstream America today are leading their people astray. They are self-promoters. They may say, they may say some things that are true and they may actually be making a difference in some people's life, but listen, when you take the things of the world and use them to market Christianity, what you win someone with is what you win them to. I mean, you can say, oh, we're all excited about what God's doing and the church is full. Listen, there are plenty of religions that have thousands and thousands of bodies and people who have, who have believed and followed that, but that doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it true. We have churches all over this country and pastors standing in pulpits as we speak that they are, their primary goal is to promote themselves and their ministry. And what they say may not be wrong, but boy, they sure do leave out a lot of good stuff from this book. Wouldn't you agree? Hey, I got a book here that's two-thirds negative, and it is judgmental, by the way. And the God who wrote this book is judgmental. And while we're not supposed to be uh, judgmental toward one another, we are supposed to judge what is right. Amen? Jesus said that we're supposed to judge righteous judgment. And so don't take that judge not lest you be judged concept out of context. There is a time and a place when we shouldn't be judging. But there is a time and place where we better be judging. We better, and that is one of the problems of the modern church today is that the devil has taken something that turned into a worn-out cliche and people say, well, who am I to judge? Who are you? You're a child of God, brother and sister. We better figure out what is right and we better stand for what is right. The Lord is your shepherd, is He not? And so it's a very possessive statement. And the Lord says the shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away from the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill and have forgotten their resting place. Mountain? I mean, that is, that's the high place. God says, look, these shepherds aren't necessarily leading you into destruction but they are leading you. God wants you to be up on the mountain and all they can give you is a hill. A watered-down version of the truth with many things omitted. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a possessive statement. In John 10, verse number 4, it says, And when He putteth forth His own sheep, He goeth before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. Whose voice are you listening to, brothers and sisters? Are you listening to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you living your life according to what the Bible says? Or are you just living your life like everybody else is, but trying to be maybe a good boy or a good girl and not, not being wicked? You know, I don't want to be mean and nasty and I don't want to, you know, go too far, but I still want to enjoy the things of the world. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you listening to that voice that's speaking to your heart? 
had a little girl just recently from the church come up after the service and said, Preacher, how, how can I be saved? And then and that just touched my heart and it was so precious and I could sense in this little girl's face and in her demeanor that something was going on more than just questioning it because everybody else is talking about it. And I said to her, I said, I said, sweetheart, I said, it, it looks like maybe, I said, is God speaking to your heart? Do you feel like a tug in your heart? And she looked at me and she said, yes. And I thought, praise the Lord. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit of God speaking through the Word of God. I'll tell you what, what a joy it is to see young people with a heart for God. What a joy it would be to see those that are adults, not just little children, but those who are uh, grown and mature and have their mental faculties to be able to say the same thing. Hey, the Lord is tugging at my heart. Preacher, how do you know if God's speaking to your heart? Uh, You'll know. I, I couldn't explain it to you. I couldn't describe it. I could describe to you how he speaks to my heart, sort of. But all I can say is you just know when God has your number and he's speaking to your heart. And he does speak. And that's such a joy. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you hear the voice of your shepherd? Are you following your shepherd. It's a very possessive thing. You're following someone. You're following something. But David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? And then number three, number three, this, the Lord is my shepherd is a very descriptive statement. It describes that relationship. Not only is it personal, not only is it possessive, but it's also descriptive of that relationship between us and God. In Psalm 78 and verse number 70, David speaking, he said, And he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people, that's Israel, and Israel his inheritance, so he fed them, watch this, he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Being around livestock, I, I never have been around a lot of sheep. I've been around cows. I've been around a few pigs every now and then. Uh, I remember a brother in our church in Idaho had a couple of goats, and he'd go on vacation. We lived near him, and he'd ask if we would go and take care of his goats. And they're despicable creatures as well. I, I had this one goat. There's something about a critter that when a critter is looking you in the eye as if to say, I'm the boss here, that don't set well with me. I don't know why it is, but it's like, no, you're not the boss here. I am. And this one goat thought that he was the boss. And, you know, it's somebody else's goat, so I really was very limited on how I could express to this goat who the boss was. Now, when I worked at the dairy farm, there would be heifers that would come into the milk barn, and they would start kicking and they would start causing commotion. 
And I know I've told this story before. My boss would grab a piece of rebar out of the grate and he'd walk around to the grain uh, feeder and he would just smack that heifer on the top of the head. I mean, with a piece of like three-quarter inch rebar. And I mean, he would just smack that heifer with all that he had and that heifer would straighten up. (laughs) I would too. (laughs) But he was... He was he was gone um, taking care of business somewhere, and I was running the milk barn, and we had a heifer come in, and I couldn't. I put kickers on it, and it would kick the kickers off, and I did everything I could, gave it plenty of grain, and we put it right in the middle. We'd, we'd milk six cows at a time, and I tried to put the heifer right in between two big, uh, well-behaved milk cows so that they would kind of put the squeeze on it, that heifer was kicking and causing commotion and the whole line was messed up. We couldn't milk those cows. And I thought, I gotta do something or I'm not gonna get these other cows milked. And so I thought, well, what would my boss do? So I grabbed the rebar, went around in front of the grain feeder and I, I didn't swing near as hard as my boss did. I just gave it a little rap on the head. That heifer dropped like a ton of bricks. Trust me, I wasn't going, oh, I guess I didn't know my own strength. No, 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 no. I'm thinking dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. I'm, <laughs> this is coming out of my paycheck for three years because <laughs> I didn't get paid that much. <laughs> oh my goodness. I thought, what have I done? And I'm thinking, how do I explain this to him? You know, I don't know what happened. He just dropped dead. Must have had a heart attack. Must have been birth defect. I don't know. I'm just, all these things are going through my mind. And fortunately, what seemed like, it seemed like an hour later, but it was probably only two minutes. That heifer started stirring and it, it got back up and behaved. <laughs> Parents, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, those goats, I wanted to teach those goats who was boss. And I they did, you got to be careful. I mean, when I was going to teach that goat who was boss, I kept thinking about that heifer. It's like, no. <laughs> it says here that he guided them skill, with the skillfulness of his hands. You know, it's an interesting concept. How often do we think that we know what's best for us? How often do we think that, well, I'm, I, I've got my life here under control. I, I, I don't really, I want God's help, but I don't want Him to take over, right? If I let Him take over, then, I mean, what if God, what if I let God have everything and He called me to be a missionary in Zambia. <gasps> that would ruin my life. You know, I've never talked to anybody that surrendered to the Lord and the Lord did something with their life that maybe was something that they didn't want. I got news for you. This, Please don't take offense at this. I did not want to come back to North Carolina 12 years ago. I did not. When we left North Carolina, the... The last time in like 91, Anna was just about nine months old, 92. 
went back to Idaho. I was there for 17 years, and I never had any desire to come back to North Carolina. And when God started working on my heart and speaking to my heart about North Carolina, I'm like, no, God, no. And and I literally, I was surrendering to the Lord. It's like, Lord, call me to Africa. (laughs) I'm being honest. Call me to Papua New Guinea. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go, but I don't want to go back to North Carolina. (laughs) I said, don't take offense at this. It wasn't that North Carolina was so bad. It was just that my recollection was nobody in North Carolina liked my preaching. (laughs) Somebody's like, we still don't. But God, my shepherd, he led me and my family with the skillfulness of his hand. And he knew just exactly what he needed to do in my life to get me on the path and in the pasture where he wanted me to be. As Brother Pennell would say, the Lord's good about that. He knows just what He needs to do in our life to get our attention if we'll just hear His voice. He will feed us and He will guide us. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David's telling Saul his credentials to go against Goliath. He had no battles to talk about. He'd never wore armor. He'd never held a sword. He said, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. How many preachers have I heard say, if you grab a lion by the beard with your left hand, you better know what you're doing with your right hand. David with the skillfulness of his hand, he was able to protect and defend his flock. He didn't run. He was there. Even when that little lamb was already in the mouth of the lion and the bear, David went and risked his life, was willing to lay down his life just to protect one little lamb. He wasn't counting the numbers. Uh, You and I would be too pragmatic. We'd look at that little lamb and then we'd look at the flock. It's like, you know, well, we got, I still got 117 over here. What's one little lamb? The shepherd never feels that way. Uh, We used to joke when we'd take uh, junior high kids up to summer camp and we'd come back and everybody'd be getting off the bus and, you know, parents would come out and say, well, how was camp? And we'd say, well, pretty good camp. We only lost one. (laughs) Of course, we were joking, you know, but, uh, Anyhow, (laughs) the shepherd cares about every single sheep. Have you ever just felt like that you're an insignificant sheep? Why would the Lord care about me? Wouldn't he just care care about the whole flock? No, he cares equally about every single lamb, no matter how young, no matter how old. No matter how important, doesn't matter what your wool production is, 
doesn't matter if, uh, you know, where you came from, your pedigree, if you are one of his sheep, the good shepherd is going to protect you and he's going to defend you. I saw a decal on the back of a pick a redneck truck the other day that said, in Glock we trust. <laughs> now, I, I like guns. I'm in, I'm into guns and, and I will say this, we'll talk more about this in the future, but with all of these live shooters and churches going on, if somebody stands up and shoots, if you are not packing heat, just get down. Don't get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> because I know we've got people in here that are going to be trying to take that shooter out. And I think that's a great thing. Not too long ago, uh, just a month or two ago, there was a shooting and there was an older gentleman that was a trainer and, you know, the guy stood up over here and started shooting and this, uh, I watched the video and the older gentleman immediately stood up, boom, 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 and he took that guy out. Now, I was not happy about the ones that the shooter got to first, but I was really happy about that Christian brother responding and taking that guy out. I, I, you know, I tell you what, I know that guns do some really, really bad things, but if we ever allow our government to take them out, take away our right to bear arms, you study history, bad, bad, bad things happen in a country. Now, personally, I know some, some NRA proponents would take issue with me on this. I, I'm okay with gun laws. I think there ought to be gun laws. I, I don't, I don't, there's no need to make it legal for everybody to have a fully automatic weapon. Hey, I don't want people to have bazookas, do you? I, 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 don't, I don't want my neighbor to own a tank. You know, <laughs> there's limits, right? So there's got to be some common sense, but there should also be the right to bear arms. And I'm glad that we have that freedom in the Constitution and Besides God, guns have been very, very helpful in us maintaining our freedom as a republic and to be able to enjoy the things that we enjoy in this great nation. The shepherd, my shepherd, protects us and defends us. I'm not trusting in Glock. The Bible says that, um, that uh, okay, give me a second here. The Bible says, I had this all ready to quote to you and it's getting ready to come back to me. The Bible says... <laughs> can't believe this happened. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know what the Lord's saying. The Lord's saying that He is our safety. He's the only one that can ultimately protect us. Hey, get your concealed carry, have your Glock, have your shotgun, have whatever, have your security alarm system at your home, do everything you can, humanly speaking, but don't trust in it for your safety and security, because safety is of the Lord. He is our shepherd, and He is there, and He will protect us. How often has He protected us from harm? And we didn't even know about it. 
If he ever does protect you from harm, take the time to thank him and to praise him and give him the glory and the honor. Isaiah 40, verse number 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. I find that my shepherd, listen, young parents raising kids, this is a precious promise. The Lord, God entrusted you to care for your children, but ultimately he's the one that has to take care of your children. Do everything you can to raise your children right. Keep them in church. Keep them in the Word of God. Teach them and train them in the way that they should go. But don't trust in your parenting for the success of your children. Trust in the Good Shepherd to watch over and take care of our kids. If you have a a, a child who's grown and went astray, then uh, do everything you can to try to love them and tell them the truth and encourage them to get back on path. But more than anything, get on your knees and talk to the Good Shepherd and say, Lord, would you please seek and go after my wandering sheep because they're really not mine, they're yours. And would you please bring them back into the fold. Jeremiah 23, verse number 4, And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. My shepherd provides me, uh, provides my needs, and he provides me contentment. As we conclude the message here this morning, I think that, uh, it's, it's worth saying, but it's already been presented. I think you already know this, but my shepherd cares about his sheep little obscure passage in the book of Genesis, chapter 46 and verse 34. This is when Joseph's brethren and his father have come into Goshen and uh, the land of Egypt. And, and something said there, of course, uh, uh, Joseph's brethren, Jacob, they were all shepherds and they cared for sheep. The Bible says that uh, it, that regarding Pharaoh in Egypt, it says, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. How about that? Egypt is a picture of the world. And you know that the world doesn't understand or appreciate our shepherd? The Lord looks at us and we we submit ourselves to following a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We submit ourselves and we humble ourselves and we turn over the control of our life and our destiny to someone else and the world looks at us and says, oh, your religion is just a crutch. Hey, I got news for you. I need way, way more than a crutch. I need way, way more than a wheelchair. I need a savior and I need a shepherd and I'm thank, I'm so thankful that I've got a shepherd that loves me and takes care of me and always does what's best. The world can't understand that. Our religion, our relationship with God is just a mystery to them and in many ways they despise that. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Those Pharisees and those Jews, the same people, the same crowd that would ultimately say crucify Him, crucify Him. 
the ones that rejected Him time and time and time again, are the same ones that as the Lord Jesus Christ looked out at them, He said, I, I, I've got compassion on them because they're just wandering around. They don't have a shepherd and they need one desperately. Listen, the Lord would say the same thing to you. No matter how many times you've rejected Him, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how many sins that you've committed, no matter how many times you said no to Him, the Lord looks upon you with compassion and says, you're just as a sheep having no shepherd. And He's saying, come unto Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 10 and verse number 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know that Jesus, not only is he a shepherd, but he is our sacrifice. It's interesting that John the Baptist would see Jesus, our shepherd, and say, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You talk about a shepherd who knows his sheep. He was the Lamb of God. And He died on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty of our sins for our redemption, for our forgiveness, so that we could get out, could could quit being that goat in the devil's pasture. And God could transform us into a little baby lamb that the shepherd could carry in His bosom and feed us and protect us and ultimately get us to heaven. Oh, listen, we're going to have... Uh, our, our life is not always going to be uh, beside still waters. We're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to go through some things, but ultimately our good shepherd is going to bring us into the fold. He's given us and provided for us a home in heaven, but we have to trust Him, the One who laid down His life for us. I close with this statement. And if you're not saved here this morning, I hope and I pray that you'll take it to heart. Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. He is calling you by name to follow Him. He knows your name and He's calling. You can hear Him in your heart. I know you can. Will you listen to His voice? Will you heed His call? Will you come and allow Him to be your shepherd? I'm so glad that He's my shepherd. I sure hope that He's yours as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, my heart is full this morning thinking about all that You've done in caring for me. My heart is full here this morning and Lord, I'm having to choke back some tears just thinking about all that You've done for Your people. I think about so many men and women in this congregation and I think about what You've done for them. Many here this morning, I've seen what their life was like. Lord, when they didn't, they weren't in Your pasture, when they weren't hearing Your voice. And I see all that You've done over these years. I think of these little children growing up in this church. I pray for the salvation of each and every one. I think about this time that we have right here and right now. I don't know the hearts in this uh, auditorium, but Lord, you do. And I sense 
that you're calling someone by name this morning, wanting them to get saved, wanting them to trust you, wanting them to follow you. Lord, I ask you that they would recognize your compassion and your care for them. I pray, Father, that whatever's standing in the way, whether it be pride, whether it be embarrassment, whether it be friends, family, maybe some sin that they're just struggling with, how am I going to live without this in my life? Whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray that your voice would overcome all of those obstacles. And I pray that someone would hear your voice and follow you today before they leave this auditorium. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hymn number 276. 276. If you're not saved, the shepherd's calling. He's saying, come, trust me, follow me. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to understand it all. You provide the sinner. Jesus provided the Savior. Just come to Him in the sincerity of your heart. Call upon Him to save you. And He'll take care of the rest. We have a promise from His Word. If you need to come, the altar's open as we sing.